Two American backpackers are embarking on a European trip, starting with the English countryside. While strolling along the moors of Yorkshire, they're attacked by a vicious monster, a werewolf that kills one of them and bites the other. As he heals in a London hospital, the survivor realizes he's doomed to become a werewolf himself, and chaos ensues as the London citizens are plagued by an American werewolf in London. I'm Connor Zagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And you're listening to Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. Welcome to episode 46 of Filmgasm, where we're diving into my favorite horror movie of all time, 1981's An American Werewolf in London. The greatest werewolf movie ever made, bar none. Cannot wait to dig into this. Hope you had fun listening to our Schumacher Batman Weird Shit Wednesday last week, as well as our Sunday bonus on Uncut Gems. In a few weeks, we'll be releasing our 10th Weird Shit Wednesday Filmgasm episode 50. It's a special episode, so we chose to do a spotlight on arguably the greatest character actor of all time, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Indie character actor who starred in such films as Capote, Almost Famous, Doubt, The Big Lebowski, and The Master, among others. His career was so diverse, with leading roles and minor roles sprinkled throughout, but the man never let a character go to waste, and he remained one of the most well-respected actors in the business until his sudden death in 2014 of a drug overdose. We'll discuss a special selection of 20 of his films and what Hoffman's enduring legacy means to us as lifelong film fans. It's going to be a fantastic episode, episode 50. Cannot wait. Yeah. No, no, you know, no better way uh, to celebrate 50 than to talk about, like you said, the best, best character actor of all time. Yeah, absolutely. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Can't wait for that. Fantastic. Before we get into this awesome werewolf flick, it's time for the Rewind where we look into past episodes in search of updates. Got a number of updates for you. One from episode 8, The Silence of the Lambs. One from episode 16, Child's Play. And one from bonus episode 8, Joker. First up, CBS has announced a sequel series to The Silence of the Lambs, currently titled Clarice, which will follow the FBI agent as she hunts down murderers and criminals. CBS has ordered a pilot, but has already put together a writer's room, meaning they're expecting this to be substantial. What do you think about this? I'm interested. Not a, you know, it's not something I'm you know, dying for. Yeah. <laughs> We're not lining up, but you know, <laughs> something I'm intrigued by. Yeah. CBS is certainly lining up, but they've already, <laughs> yeah. they've yeah. already had this and fucked it up with I, Hannibal. Exactly. Exactly. You had three arguably really good seasons of TV that they just axed and feel like this is going to be either a watered down version of what could have been or it's going to be constant teases of Hannibal Lecter. Because he's not going to show up. This is supposed to be canonical with Lambs and Hannibal, and in those ten years, nobody heard a peep from Hannibal Lecter. So, unless they're going to rewrite canon, which they might as fucking well do, I don't know how interesting this is going to be. It's going to be just another cop procedural, but the character is Clarice Starling. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, that's something I won't watch until I hear someone say, you need to see this. Yeah. I just, I don't like network TV. Neither do I. CBS no. has never been... It know, takes a lot, yeah. A channel where I'm clamoring to see anything they have. Yeah, no. <laughs> In that same vein, Sci-Fi Channel has ordered Don Mancini's Chucky to series. Here's the official synopsis. 
In the new Chucky television series, after a vintage Chucky doll turns up at a suburban yard sale, an idyllic American town is thrown into chaos as a series of horrifying murders begins to expose the town's hypocrisies and secrets. Meanwhile, the arrival of enemies and allies from Chucky's past threatens to expose the truth behind the killings, as well as the demon doll's untold origins as a seemingly ordinary child who somehow became this notorious monster. So we're going to get kind of a prequel to Charles Lee Ray's life leading up to him becoming Chucky and also some crazy Chucky shit. Could be good if I believe I remember hearing Brad Dourif was on board for this. Yeah, yeah. I believe that Chucky's going in the TV direction while new weird Mark Hamill Chucky is going over here. I'm I'm interested. Because <laughs> Don Mancini's proven that he's really the only guy who should be touching Chucky. Yeah, I just don't know how much more I need of this world. I agree. I think you know, there's not really a lot, a lot more they can do here. Yeah, but it's one of those classic horror. Yeah, characters is never going away. Yeah, and as long as it's there, <laughs> might as well check it out. <laughs> yeah, see what see what the, <laughs> see what the newest installment has. Yeah, it's like an old friend you don't really reach out to talk to, but if they show up at your doorstep, you're not gonna say no. I also didn't like this past one at all. So. That fucking sucked. The Child's Play remake was terrible. You can say that again. But the most recent Don Mancini Chucky was probably my favorite <laughs> franchise so far. What's worse, Child's Play than the or, or Pet Cemetery? Ooh, probably Pet Cemetery because oh. I went in with high expectations. Okay, that's fair. I right. went into Child's Play, but thinking, straight up as a product, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I went pretty into, bad. I went into Child's Play thinking. This is probably going to suck. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. I went in thinking, I'm a big fan of this book. This better be good. Uh, <laughs> so, objectively, the disappointment was much larger with yeah. Pet Cemetery, yeah, but yeah. I think you might be right. Child's Play is a much shittier movie. <laughs> <laughs> so, at least it's got Brian Terry Henry, right? I don't know. At least, you know, we got a decent Jesus, vocal yeah. performance so from Mark Hamill. There, there are some horrible horror uh, inputs from 2019. How is it? That, totally missed the mark. How yeah. is it the Chucky doll looks worse now <laughs> than it did in 1988? How is that? Like, what the fuck? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> Finally, Joaquin Phoenix was among several celebrities who were arrested while protesting climate change as part of Jane Fonda's Fire Drill Friday's protest group. Actor Martin Sheen was also arrested. They've been protesting climate change. Joaquin was among them. He got arrested. Jane Fonda's been arrested like six times doing this. Ted Danson got arrested recently. So it's just, it's barely, you know, it's a slap on the wrist. Yeah. No, no celebrities going to prison for climate change protesting. No. But just thought that worth mentioning. What a guy. Yeah, what a guy. Joaquin. I can't read him. At all. <laughs> Nobody can. No, he, yeah. He's an enigma. <laughs> Barely human. He's so, not, not from here, yeah. So that's it for the... Well, he was raised in a cult. Yeah. yeah. sure that didn't yeah. help. Uh, yeah. David Berg, that motherfucker, really got to him. <laughs> for those of you who aren't aware, Joaquin Phoenix and his brother River grew up in the Children of God cult. Yeah. It ran by sadistic, crazy, whoremonger David Berg. And when they got out... They had to kind of relearn how normal society functions. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, not all that shit and I think went I, away. We, I think we're seeing, yeah, Joaquin is still. You know, oh, yeah. I, that's all. Yeah. It explains quite a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for a weird shit Wednesday. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a lot of shit there to unpack, man. Yeah. So. 
At River Phoenix as its home. Yeah. Yeah. That family's damn. Yeah. So this wasn't your first time with American Werewolf, but it had been a while for you, right? Basically my first time. Yeah, I told you. That's part of the reason, you know. Uh, by the way, happy late birthday. Oh, thank you. You know, uh, January is special here on Filmgasm because Connor's birthday is earlier in the month and mine's at the very end of the month. So it's it's good, clean fun here. <laughs> and we let, we wanted to choose some movies that we both love. Uh, later in the month, there's a couple that I chose that I that are very dear to my heart. So uh, we'll do those, and that's that's also why we chose PSH because that's our guy. Yeah. Um, a filmgasm, meaning Connor and I and Josh and Caleb, if we could agree on someone, you know, I think PSH is someone that everyone just loves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's he's a a movie goers actor. You know. Yes. <laughs> he's the guy you want to see on the screen. So uh, yeah, it's a special time. You chose this, obviously. This was my birthday week movie. Yeah, because this is yeah. your, your your favorite horror movie of all time. Um, yeah, I'm a little bit ashamed to say that I've only seen this once before and I was, you know, 17 or 18, not watching with the lens that I watched it now. Uh, and obviously right off the bat, well, you know, best werewolf movie, hands down, like you said, bar none, it's not even close. There's not even a, there's not even like a, a silver medal to hand out, you know, not really, it's just no. a straight gold and everybody else gets to watch, you know, <laughs> that yeah. sort of thing. There is no. This is the one you show people if they want to watch a werewolf movie. Um, I don't know how many people are knocking on the door like, show me werewolf movies, but this, this is it. This is the peak, the pinnacle of, of that and the, the makeup and the costume design. And all of that is just through the, through the roof. And I, I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't get my eyes off the screen simply because of that. And then you add this awesome, hilarious story yeah. into it that, that intertwines uh, American backpackers and... British culture. You've got comedic director John Landis yeah. injecting his brand of comedy into a vicious werewolf movie. Yeah, so and it just works. It does. It does. It adds up and everything hits. I really, really enjoyed this. So I'm really glad you chose it. Yeah. Killer. I uh, When I did my own solo episode on The Wolfman, I did talk about some notable werewolf movies throughout <clears throat> history. And I mentioned like The Howling and Ginger Snaps and yeah. Dog Soldiers, but nothing comes close to this. No. This <laughs> is... This set the bar way too damn high, and nothing has ever come close in, you know, 40 years. 40 years. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> and that just speaks to mostly Rick Baker. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's the real star of this movie. It's his it's his movie more than anybody's, I would think. Yeah, I would say, like, if you, you were like, what is aged, you know, the, the best? You know, that, that's what it would be. It would be it's still seamless. Rick Baker's work, yeah. That's the most amazing part of it, is it's still <coughs> seamless. You can't, like, there's... Ugh. It really is, you know, puppetry and animation will always beat CGI because it looks real. It feels real. It looks like there is something in the room with them. It's not a computer. And, you know, so many different films have tried to do something like this with a computer and it always looks fake. But this looked like a dude was really turning into a werewolf. Yeah, yeah, and it's <laughs> fucking scary. Yeah. Still, still grappling with some of those images. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, I just don't, I don't do too hot with, um, when stuff is like involving, like turning a body like inside out and there's like intestines involved and there's also hair growing out of that. Yeah. It's not for me, you know? Thing must have really <laughs> fucked you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. That's why I gave it, what did I, I think I gave it a nine out of 10. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Well. It like fucks you up. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, the guy who did the thing makeup, Rob Bottin was taught ding by ding Rick ding. Baker. Yeah. So you can thank Rick Baker for that 
movie too. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> Fucking thank Rick Baker for the eighties. Fuck uh, yeah, man. Hor- hor- the horror genre. He changed the way horror movies were made. Yeah, with showing them the level of and what you could do with makeup. Yeah, it was actually something I was thinking about. I wanted to bring up to you was you and I both both like love this this eighties stuff so much. And it's not even that they they changed horror. They're the only guys who still have done it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even change it because no one else can do it right. It's true. Still, now, 40 years later, you know, 30, true. 40 years later. Um, the practicality, the the low budget, or, you know, we talked about with Carpenter. We've talked, you know, now, Jesus, the budget here is 5.8. Oh, my yeah. God. Can you believe that shit? <laughs> I just read that. Sorry. They made this Man. masterpiece on less than $6 million. That was... <laughs> The first time I read that, oh my lord, have mercy! Unbelievable. And made sixty. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> that's that's incredible. You know, and that's this is the stuff we, you know, that's what we're doing the podcast for. Is you learn about this stuff, you get that kind of productivity off of that amount of money. Yeah, that's a fucking movie. You know, that's Hell what yeah. I'm talking about. You know, I respect that. So, really cool. Yeah, man. It shows just crazy creativity and vision. You know that um, that unwillingness to let uh, a small amount of money keep you from. What's well, such a simple premise too? Just two backpackers get bit attacked by a werewolf. That's oh, yeah. it. One the, I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> do what you got to do. We'll get into. This is a great movie. This is one of the earliest horror movies I ever saw. This was like I've I've been watching this movie as long as I can remember. This I remember when I was like nine, ten years old, watching the opening scene where Jack gets killed. Yeah, and it freaked me the fuck out because <laughs> it was so visceral. Uh. And then I just kept watching. I'm like, this is insane. And <coughs> it doesn't let up after that. Yeah. No, this is crazy. This, The Shining, The Thing, Blade. Those are some of my very earliest horror movies. And I never looked back. Yeah. And this has stayed with me forever. Fuck oh, man. <laughs> oh, so let's get into it. An American Werewolf in London was released in 1981 and was directed by 80s darling John Landis. Director of Animal House, The Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Three Amigos, Coming to America, and the first segment of Twilight Zone, the movie. Yeah. Which nearly destroyed his career after he inadvertently got three people killed. Yeah. And we are going to leave that here. We're going to talk about that <laughs> when we do the Twilight Zone, the movie episode in the future. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Suffice it to say, he's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah. We can't have an episode where we go on a tangent about Joaquin Phoenix's past life and... Yeah. <laughs> That's too much weird. Let's leave it. Let's leave it. (laughs) But it is a fucked up story, and he got away with manslaughter. And deserves its own episode. Yeah. Despite being known primarily for comedy, Landis' passion project had been American Werewolf, ever since he first had the idea when he was working as a production assistant on the 1970 film Kelly's Heroes. Badass war film with Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas. Fucking awesome movie. Yes. Landis was in Yugoslavia when he saw a group of gypsies performing burial rites on a dead man. He was informed that these rituals ensured that the man would not rise from the dead. They would be buried feet first, like long ways, like they were standing up, so they couldn't get up and walk away. Landis never forgot this, and it inspired him to write a movie about someone confronting the undead. He wrote the first draft for an American werewolf in London in 1969 and shelved it. Then when his career took off, when he directed the Kentucky Fried Movie in 1977, Animal House in 1978, and the Blues Brothers in 1980, he finally secured financing and a budget for American Werewolf. The financiers thought the movie was too funny to be a horror movie and too scary to be a comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really straddles that line yeah. really well. 
David Naughton was cast as backpacker and werewolf attack survivor David Kessler. American Werewolf was a big break for him as he was known primarily as the star of the Be a Pepper ad campaign for Dr. Pepper, which he was fired from after appearing nude in this movie. (laughs) Despite this film being a hit, Naughton's career never really exploded and he was never in anything else of note. He's had bit parts in various TV shows and a host of minor film roles, but this is the thing he is mostly known for. Yeah, he's not the best actor, but... <laughs> yeah. but uh, he is during the transformation. Like, I believe that shit. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. But, yeah, just the... the I agree. The dialogue, he's fine. He's passable, but he's... Yeah, you can... I, I would have expected him to have a nice little 80s run, just because of it. He didn't. But nothing. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Sad. He's still acting today. Trying. Yeah. Well, now he's mostly done as, you know, the werewolf guy who makes cameos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. But I, he had a disco song in the 80s like a like a pop song my, i believe that my hair, uncle was yeah. uh he was listening to xm radio driving somewhere and the song came on and he called me he's like connor you're not gonna believe what i'm listening to right now it's a pop song by the american werewolf guy and i'm like what the fuck and i Thank listened you to for it telling me yeah. and it was really weird and stupid yeah, i'm sure yeah i guess like after this didn't work out he tried anything <laughs> Oscar nominee Griffin Dunn was cast as Jack Goodman, David's friend who is mauled to death and comes back to haunt him. Dunn was nominated for Best Live Action Short Film for 1996's Duke of Groove, and he went on to appear in films like After Hours, Johnny Dangerously, Quiz Show, Dallas Buyers Club, and he had recurring roles on the shows Goliath and This Is Us. He's also an accomplished director, having directed Practical Magic and three episodes of The Good Wife, among other things. So he had a pretty successful career. Yes, yeah. So he's great. I love Practical Magic, and I didn't know for years that he's the guy. Yeah, they make this. that connection, yeah. He's the brother of Dominique Dunn, who played the older sister in Poltergeist and was murdered in 1982. Jenny Agutter plays Alex Price, the nurse that falls in love with David pretty damn fast. Agutter has had bit roles in many cult films like Child's Play 2 and Logan's Run, and she had a minor role in the MCU with the Avengers and Captain America the Winter Soldier. She plays a councilwoman, the one who Black Widow impersonates. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. The whole council is made up of character actors that, like, have bit parts, like Powers Booth and Shin Han. It's really okay. cool. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> American Werewolf has an IMDb score of 7.5, Rotten Tomatoes score of 87%, and grows $62 million on a budget of only 5.8, which is insane. It won the first ever Best Makeup Oscar for legendary effects artist Rick Baker's unbelievable werewolf makeup effects that still hold up today and have never been topped. And I'd always thought that the Best Makeup Oscar was created because of the crazy effects of this film. I think I've mentioned that in a few episodes, but I recently discovered I was wrong. It was the 1980 film The Elephant Man that inspired the Academy to finally throw some praise to the makeup department. American Werewolf just happened to win the first ever Best Makeup Oscar. But it was created because of the effects of the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't know that. There you go. So, let's get into the plot of this mofo. Elephant Man's not a bad movie either. That's a great movie. (laughs) So, we meet two American backpackers from New York City, David Kessler and Jack Goodman, who are trekking across the moors in Yorkshire. And they're just kind of chatting about girls they like back home and what they've been up to. Feels very improvised, very, you know, popping. Shooting the shit, yeah. Yeah, you believe it. And I always thought that would be a great Halloween costume. Just a big green jacket, the big red jacket. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, with big backpacks, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anybody who got it would be Dude, funny, right? yeah, good call. Good, we, should, we should do that. I don't give a shit if anybody gets it. Well, fuck yeah. We will. 
man. And they're just walking across the moors. You get the feeling that, you know, this is the beginning of their European trip. They're going to go to Italy. <laughs> Even Jack says, like, why don't we go to Italy first? Oh, yeah, you should have gone to Italy yeah, first. Yeah, I think so. Anywhere, <laughs> anywhere but here. And as, as night falls, they are hungry. They're tired. I think it's raining. Yes. And so they find a local pub called the Slaughtered Lamb. And they go in there and are immediately met with stares from the locals. This is not the kind of place where you get, you know, a new faces. This is East Proctor. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone just stares at them and they just sit down awkwardly. And eventually everyone goes back to their drinks. And Jack notices a five-pointed star on the wall and asks David, like, what do you think that means? He says, I don't know. Maybe the owners are from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> And Jack goes, remember the Alamo, and gets the the uh, barmaid's attention. And she's like, I remember the Alamo. I saw it in Leicester Square, the movie, the Alamo. Yeah, that's Cute. great. With John Wayne, yeah. <laughs> and then the, one of the patriot, one of the uh, the guys in the bar tells him a joke that I actually think is fucking funny. Yes. So let's say, let's tell the joke. So the UN delegates are on a plane, and the plane is running low on fuel, and they chuck out the seats. They chuck out. Everything in the plane, but it's still too heavy. So they realize somebody has to jump out. So the French delegate yells, Vive la France, and leaps out of the plane. But it's still too heavy. The Englishman yells, God save the Queen, and jumps out. But it's still too heavy. So the American delegate from Texas shouts, Remember the Alamo, and chucks out the Mexican. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just such a funny joke. It's, it's so terrible, but it, it makes me laugh every time. And everyone's starting to get loose and, you know, they're starting to accept these guys. And then Jack just yells, so what's that star mean? And everyone freezes. And the, the guy playing darts misses the dartboard and gets extremely confrontational, tells Jack, you made me miss and I've never missed that board. And David smartly says, all right, time to go. <laughs> but there's, you know, somebody says, like, you can't go. And they're like, somebody else says, get out of here. Just stay on the road and keep clear of the moors. Yeah. Somebody else says, beware the moon, lads. <laughs> and you're thinking like, fuck, what's out there? <laughs> On first viewing, you're like, ooh, maybe it's a werewolf, in case you didn't know what this is called. And they go out, and they're walking across the moors, trying to find anywhere else. And I love it gradually. You don't even, they don't even acknowledge it. You just, if you're paying attention, you see them veer off the road. Yeah. And just go right into the moors. Yeah, like it's nothing. I love it. And eventually they realize like, oh shit, we didn't stick to the road. And you hear a piercing howl. <laughs> and it's still the creepiest wolf, like werewolf howl. It doesn't sound like a wolf man. It sounds like an animal, I like guess, pure animal. Yeah, yeah, just a creature. Yeah. And you're just like, fuck, get out of there. <laughs> and this is when the movie goes full-blown horror for the first time. They're just trying to find, you know, the roads. So they can get back to the slaughtered lamb, the only place for miles that they've even seen. And they start walking. The, the howling seems to be getting closer they're just, they're freaking out. They don't know, you know, what is it? And then they hear snarling around them. And Jack is the first one to freak out. He's like, what is it? And they start running and David trips and <laughs> Jack helps him up. And then this werewolf thing comes out of fucking nowhere and starts ripping Jack apart. Yeah. It is so sudden and freakish. And Griffin Dunn plays this scene so perfectly. Yes. I believe every bit of that anguish. Ugh. Just getting shredded. And David is the world's best friend as he fucks off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, all right, I don't think I can do anything here. <laughs> but 
do something. He just immediately oh, yeah. was like, I'm out of here. He's like, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I guess you guys weren't very good friends. Jesus. Oh my God. Jack gets ripped apart. Yeah. David's like, oh no, Jack runs back and Jack is dead. Completely Jeez. dead. Ripped to shreds. Yeah. The wolf pounces on David, starts clawing at his face. And then the, the, the bar people from the slaughtered lamb show up and fire on this monster. Yeah. The last thing David sees before he passes out is a man full of bullets. And I love that that touch. Like you, It never acknowledges that it's a werewolf. Just te- it just shows you, now it's a man. Yeah. And David has that in his head. It's, it's so great. Perfect. <laughs> and David wakes up in the hospital three weeks later in a hospital in London wondering what the fuck happened? Where's Jack? And they're like, oh, Jack's dead. Like, the doctor's very matter-of-factly about that this. That doctor's a piece of shit. Dr. Hirsch. He's like, no, I don't want you to, you know, calm down, calm down. <laughs> Fuck off, man. Like, he's like, yeah, that guy sucked. And Frank Oz is there for some reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, the, I think he's the delegate from the American Embassy. He's there to make sure things get smoothed over. He, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. He's a bigger piece of shit. <laughs> I just heard, like, Miss Piggy in his accent. Like, the voice. I don't know what his natural voice is, <laughs> but I just heard Miss Piggy. And David is, you know, his wounds have been cleaned and dressed. The doctor is just like, oh, you've had an episode. By the way, your friend is dead. You were apparently attacked by an escaped lunatic, which is way crazier a story than getting attacked by a wolf. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> like, where did this lunatic escape from? Why did they not find him? Why are there claw marks in his face? <laughs> like, come on. Oh, man. Do your your job. (laughs) Do something. That's where our tax dollars are going? Well, not England. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, David is is interrogated. Well, he's interviewed by uh, Police Inspector Villiers, or Villiers, I don't know how to say his name, who, he's the one who says, you were attacked by a lunatic, and David's like, "Uh, no, we were attacked by a wolf. I was there. See this? I was there. Yeah, I heard howling. Yeah. And he insists, like, no, I, Jack was ripped apart. A man couldn't do that. And the doctor's like, oh, you'd be surprised what a man is capable of. So, yeah, he must have been quite an aggressive fella. <laughs> no shit. Because <laughs> it wasn't a fella. It was a wolf. Yeah. And through all this, David is talking to Nurse Price, who... <laughs> their relationship is so, like, out of nowhere. I don't know what... Yeah. I love it. I'll take it, sure. Yeah. I don't know. He's the, you know, he's the hot American man. I guess. Who yeah. just suffered the major trauma and never really acknowledges it. I guess that's, <laughs> I guess that's what she fell for, right? Yeah. Florence Nightingale syndrome, I guess. I don't know. And uh, David's eating his breakfast and all of a sudden Jack's ghost shows up and asks him if he can have some toast. I love Griffin Dunn's performance. He's my favorite in this. Me too. Griffin Dunn. Me too. Because he's so upbeat. He's a, he's a corpse. He's got... Again, the makeup. Holy fuck. It's, and it gets crazier and crazier, yeah. Every time we see Jack from here on out, he's decomposed even further. Yeah. And this is my favorite stage, though, where the Me wounds too. are fresh. It's pretty creepy. His throat is ripped out. He's yeah. got claw marks on his face. He's covered in blood. And David's like, the fuck? <laughs> Why are you here? And Jack's like, well, I got to tell you, we were attacked by a werewolf. And... Now I'm trapped in limbo because I was murdered in unnatural death. And until the werewolf's bloodline is severed, I can't die. And you're the last werewolf. You need to die. 
And David's like, ah, <laughs> He's, he freaks out. What, what do you mean? I have to die or the werewolf has to die? Yeah. Presses the call button and is just like, you know, I saw Jack. And the nurse is like, you have anywhere to stay? <laughs> you seem like a nice fellow to bring home. The crazy man who claims he's seeing his dead friend's ghost and was yeah. recently mauled by an animal. Yeah. I think I have some space. Yeah, yeah why not? And before all this, we get some awesome nightmare sequences of David running through the woods, like the mental change is happening. Yeah. The scene where he like comes across his own body in a hospital bed that like turns into like a vampire. That was creepy. Incredible. And then my mom's favorite scene is the nightmare he has of his family getting attacked by like the demon Nazis, which was fucking crazy. Insane. <laughs> I guess that confused a lot of people back in the 80s because they were like, this is a werewolf movie. Why are there Nazi demons here? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great metaphor for you know showing this Jack's uh, David's mental state is deteriorating quit fast. He's you know trapped in vicious, angry, animalistic thoughts. Yeah, because he's not human anymore. No, 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 oh no. And when you when he wakes up and Alex gets stabbed by the thing behind the curtain, it's like ah, he's not really awake. Great horror sting there. <laughs> so Doctor Hirsch talks to the cops. And says like, oh, he's probably delusional. It'll, it'll pass. But he starts thinking, you know, well, his his wounds were cleaned and dressed. Nobody seems to know, you know, have a good story of what happened. So I should go investigate. Yeah. So Dr. Hirsch suddenly becomes the most dedicated doctor in the world and drives to East Proctor to talk to the people at the Slaughtered Lamb. And they give him the same side eye they gave Jack and David. Yes. They don't like anyone from around here or who's not from around here. Yeah. And... Dr. Hirsch orders a Guinness and they just, they don't let it breathe. I didn't like that. And they're just like, here's your beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a certain way you have to pour Guinness. Yeah, and he knows that, but he's like, yeah, you know. He's talking to people and they're all like, nope, no idea. What you're talking about? David Kessler, never heard of him. American boys? Nope. Mm-mm. Here? They would never come to the Slufford line. Yeah. And then one of them meets Dr. Hirsch outside and is like, Look, you need to know what really happened. And somebody else comes up and is like, Oi! Don't you say another word That's now! That's enough! <laughs> Keep to our own! <laughs> he's the best. The guy who told the joke, yeah. Yeah. The bald, the bald guy? Yeah. He's, he's amazing. The other guy, the dart player, he's, um, if you've seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, yeah. I, re- I found that out recently. I okay, finally okay. matched his face. He's a mercer. Yeah. Beckett's like assassin guy in the yeah. two and three. Oh, for years that have been bothering me. He's awesome. He is awesome. That yeah. face. <laughs> scary it's creepy oh, yeah. I have a slaughtered lamb wood carving on my wall it's beautiful yeah beautiful uh, sign <laughs> so Dr. Hirsch now knows several things everyone in there is lying something happened and nobody knows nobody will tell him what happened and uh, yeah the guy outside the pub he tells David shouldn't he said David shouldn't have been taken away everyone else is in danger like the London's in danger, you need to kill him. Like yeah. this, he needs to die. And David's been released from intensive care. He moves in with Alex Price, this nurse, who takes him to the store and shows him around London. And they go home, and she's very matter of fact, like, "Look, I've slept with seven people. Are you going to be the eighth? Yes or yes? Yeah. <laughs> you win a new car. It is very much like. So we gonna fuck or what? Like it's, there's no, there's very little romance here. Netflix and chill. <laughs> and then yeah. we get, uh, 
one of my favorite things about this movie is the soundtrack with every song has the word moon in it. Yes. We get a nice love scene with Van Morrison's moon dance playing. Great song. And you like Van Morrison? I love Van yeah. Morrison. I am a big Van Morrison fan. I love his bit on The Last Waltz. So good. <laughs> he's amazing. My aunt and my grandma got to see him in Vegas last year. Oh, that's really cool. Apparently he's... He doesn't play his hits. He plays whatever the fuck he feels like playing. <laughs> so it's a random shot. What, what you're going to get? You never know. But yeah, they said it was a it was a mind-blowing experience. And I'm hoping to go. I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, Van Morrison's a, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, big fan of... Uh, Wild Night, Tupelo Honey, mm-hmm. Moon Dance, another one of my favorites, you know. And it stoned me. Yeah, love the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <sighs> so after some sweaty nurse sex, David goes into the kitchen to get something and he runs into Jack once again. Now even worse. He's fucking gray and green, rotting away. And Jack again saying like, look, I can't do shit until you die. So help, a bro- help me friend out. Come on. Yeah, come on, come on. You say, David's like, oh yeah, I'm going to turn into a werewolf. And Jack's like, yeah, you are. (laughs) Did you not see what happened to us? We got ripped apart, or I did. You just got a little, you know, kiss on the cheek. And you're going to die, you're going to kill others. Oh man. I love when they start talking about Jack's funeral, and they're like, oh my God, she was with this guy. And David's like, I'm losing my fucking mind. (laughs) Can I go back home now? So Jack tells David, like, look, it's happening tomorrow like tomorrow night. You have a day to deal with this, and then you're going to change, and you are going to kill a lot of people. And David still is like, you know, go away. You're not real. Tells Alex, like, I think I saw, you know, saw Jack again. And she's like, well, that's weird. You want to have more sex? It's kind of all her character's here for, really. She's just the nurse. Yeah. She doesn't do much. No. Sorry, but it's kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have that, you know, that love angle, but it doesn't really work here. They've known each other for what three days? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and he just woke up from yeah three weeks. Yeah. yeah. So the next night, you know, next day, Alex goes to work. He just kind of lunges around the house with uh, Credence's "Bad Moon Rising" playing. That is a depressing scene because yeah, he like lays down on the bed, like lays on his side, and he immediately gets up and like walks out. Yeah, and you're just like. I've been there before. He goes to the kitchen several times. He's like, I'm still not hungry. Yeah. Because he doesn't crave anything but flesh now. Yeah, yeah. As he'll soon realize. And yeah, he's just, he locks himself out of the house. I he see the bad moon rising. <laughs> crawls in through the window and it's just like, <sighs> and then night falls. Yeah. And you see at the, you see night, the, you see the moon for the first time at the hospital when Alex is dealing with that we, that weird kid who only says no. Yeah. And he, she like oddly threatens him, <laughs> which was kind of funny. Have you ever been severely beaten around the face and neck? <laughs> like, damn. What the fuck? <laughs> Healthcare professionals. And you see the moon. And I love the way David transforms. He just, the camera pans in on I laugh every time. The camera pans in on him. He's reading a book. And he grabs his head and just goes, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it Jesus makes me laugh. Because I've I've had headaches like that. Yeah. Where I'm just like, oh my God, fuck. <laughs> In the middle of reading yeah, yeah. a sentence. Yeah. I love that he like, he just takes all his clothes off for no reason. Yeah. Just, <laughs> Jesus ah. Christ. And that's when we get the it's most. It's burning. <laughs> that's when we get the most incredible werewolf transformation sequence of all time. Yeah. 
and it, it's oh, it looks so painful. It's visceral. You have the claws come out of his nails. His hands are growing like a full foot. Yeah. Hair sprouting up all over his body. His spine separates. Like fuck. I love he says, I didn't mean to call you a meatloaf, Jack. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and you just see him writhing in pain. His his human screams start becoming more animal-like. Great touch. Oh, man. And you just see, like, you know, it zooms in on the hair growing more coarse. His teeth become sharpened. And the most incredible uh, piece of this transformation is the snout. When his head yeah. just uh, extends outward Fuck me, man. I still don't know how he did it. It's incredible. Well, neither do other people because they don't know how to do it. They can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody can do it. Rick Baker. Ugh. Apparently there's a scene in this movie called Summer School where somebody calls him Rick Baker, Creature Creator. And I think that, yeah, perfect. Creature Creator. Should be on a business card right there. Fuck yeah. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Rick Baker, Creature Creator. And so now David's a werewolf and he goes a hunting. <laughs> First victim, a nice couple on their way to a dinner party. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I love when later on when you see them in the porno theater, they're just like so chipper, so English. Hello. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my God. Yeah. So they get ripped apart by the werewolf. You hear that piercing howl again. So perfect. And um, then he attacks some, uh, some bums in the streets. I don't know if bums is the particular correct term, but I'm going to call them bums. Yeah. I don't care. Who cares? Yeah. I like bums. It's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't know why I'm holding on to this. Bum on the street. Yeah. Yeah. A couple few I think he kills three of them, just rips them apart. And then the third kill is pretty damn scary. The yes. businessman coming home from work on the tube on uh stops at the Tottenham Square station, which I when I went to London I got off and took pictures at that. Fuck Tottenham. <laughs> Come on, Chelsea. <laughs> I don't know anything about that. I just needed to take a picture of that station because this is my movie. <laughs> yeah. I just, and <laughs> I get it. I just hate Spurs. I hate Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> Good club. Decent club. But yeah. <laughs> it pissed me off. <laughs> but no, yeah, I know what you mean. That's like a prime time yeah. spot. Yeah. I, I've been there too. He's alone at night, this businessman, and he hears growling noises and he just goes, whoever that is, you are not amusing. I am quite put out. Yeah. The most English threat I've ever heard. Put out. <laughs> yeah, not like, I'm fucking done. Yeah, yeah. I, I am been, I'm put out. <laughs> you are not funny. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit peeved. Yeah. And then he starts walking, he goes up the escalator, the growls start getting fat, you know, closer, and he takes off running. And he gets to the other escalator, and you don't—you never see the werewolf in full frame. You just see it from afar. Yeah. And you see its legs creep into view, and it's so unnerving. Unbelievable. This thing is huge, and it fucks that guy up. David wakes up the next morning in the wolf enclosure at the London Zoo, and like completely naked. Yeah. Again, this is like the third time he's naked now. Yeah. And he's wondering, like, you know, what the fuck happened last night. <laughs> Same. Yeah. All the animals are freaking out because there's an apex predator in the cage now. <laughs> he climbs out of there and now has to struggle to get back to Alex's apartment with no clothes. <laughs> it's actually, it's kind of funny. He steals a, ch a little omen child's balloons. That kid looked exactly like Damien Thorne and it really bothered me. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that. 
a naked American man stole my balloons. <laughs> and we're in England. Yeah, we're in London. Yeah, yeah, no. He steals a jacket. And he's waiting in the bus line with just a jacket on. I love that. He's like looking at him like, it's not very English of you. Not proper. <laughs> I'm put out by that. <laughs> you what, mate? Anyway. <laughs> David gets back to Alex's apartment and Alex is like, where were you? He's like, I woke up in the zoo. Um, I don't know how your day was. He never makes these, like he's still not thinking, oh, I'm a werewolf. He's still, he, he never really questions why he woke up naked in the zoo. I would, that would consume my whole day trying oh to figure god. out how the fuck I got there. Oh my god, if I, if, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would start a whole, yeah, this whole. My god. This whole thing in my life, yeah, where I'd be investigating. Yeah. What's going on, yeah. So he gets into a cab, he and out, he's like feeling energized, he's feeling like he's on top of the world. And probably because he's, you know, he's got a full belly of six people. And Alex is like, you know, we got to take you back to the hospital because Dr. Hirsch wants, you know, he thinks you're going to hurt somebody because he, he thinks that you think that you're a werewolf. His reasoning actually makes sense. Like, of course, Dave is not a werewolf, but if these people convinced him that he is, he could hurt people. Yeah. Yeah. Fair I, enough. I agree. And on their way back to the hospital, this cab driver starts talking to him about six murders that happened last night. And the cab driver, it's fucking Bricktop from Snatch. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. And David immediately puts two and two together and is like, fuck, I did that. I killed those people. And so he jumps out of the cab and tries to get himself arrested by screaming obscenities at a, at a Bobby. And so he's just screaming, Prince Charles is a man. Or no, wait, not, not that. Not that. Prince Charles is a man. What is he? <laughs> Queen Elizabeth's a man. Prince Charles is a... Yeah. He yells something else that was hilarious. I don't remember. Some British term? Yeah, insulting the Brits. He starts yeah, yeah. telling bad words. <laughs> Shit, cock, fuck. I was just trying to get her. And he's like, sir, if you do not stop, I will arrest you. And he's like, that's what I want you to do. Fucker, arrest me. He's like, on your way. And she, Alex shows up and is like, hey, he's, you know, he's ill. Don't do, you know, I'm sorry. And now he's just like, oh, my God. He runs away, goes to Piccadilly Circus, and tries to call his family from a phone booth. Puts a uh, pocket knife on his wrist. He's going to slice him, but he can't go through with it. He calls his family and gets, um, his, I think, his younger sister. And says, like, you know, just tell them I love them and I love you too. And uh, the number that, they, that he calls is a, it's not a 555 number. It's a real number. Because when I watched this with my family, my mom called the number and got somebody. That's great. Got like a. I think the New York area code and got somebody voicemail. So <laughs> somebody out there has the, the American nice. werewolf number. <laughs> David then sees Jack from across the street, even more decomposed. And he goes inside a porno theater and David follows him in. <laughs> we get a very ex like a surprise uh, porno scene in this movie, which it lasts for quite a while, which is just, I don't know why that it, it, it works. I don't know why it works, but it, it works. But it does. Yeah. You just got this porno scene happening in the background. <laughs> when the guy in the porno shows up, he's like, I can't believe you do this to me. And she's like, who are you? And he's like, oh, sorry. And goes away. I, that made me laugh harder than anything yeah. in this movie. <laughs> and David's just like, good movie. Yeah, yeah. 
the hell is wrong with these people? Jack's basically a skeleton now. He's got <coughs> being controlled by puppetry. And he introduces David to all of his victims from last night. Yeah. The businessman, the homeless people, and the, the couple. And the couple are chipper, the homeless men are pissed, and the businessman is put out. Yes. By the fact that they're, they're all dead. Yes. And they all suggest various ways David could kill himself, because that's the only way they can move on. They're all pissed at him. And David's like, look, what do you want from me? I'm sorry. And they're like, kill yourself. That's what we want. But then, the moon happens again. Full moon, and David starts transforming in the porno theater. I love that one guard, guy who thinks he's like aggressively jerking off. Yeah. It's just like, oh, man, what are you down. doing? And David's like, run now. And he turns his head, and he's the werewolf snout again. And like, ah, perfect, perfect. God. And he starts ripping people apart inside this porno theater. They shut it down. They're like, there's an animal on the loose. It Werewolf jumps through the, the wall, starts ripping people apart in Piccadilly Circus, causes a massive car accident. Kills a lot of people. Probably bites quite a few people. Yeah. I don't think they all died, but a lot of werewolves were created here. So exactly. the bloodline was not severed, so Jack still can't move on. You would rather people just die than have, yeah, multiple of these things running around. He created a pandemic. Yeah. Ugh. So he starts you know, running away, running around, ripping, ripping people apart, and he ends up cornered in an alley because Alex shows up to try to reason with him or something. And the cops are there. They're going to shoot this thing. And Alex tries to talk to him. Dr. Hirsch is there, too, for some reason. And she tells him that she loves him. And you see the werewolf's eyes flicker for a second. And then he lunges at her. And the cops shoot him. And he turns back into David. Alex starts crying. Never really acknowledges that he was a fucking werewolf. And yeah, after all. Yeah. It just zooms out on David's dead body, shot to death. And then we get the Marcel's Blue Moon and over the end credits, a upbeat, poppy song. Yeah. And that's our movie. It's really short, really simple, but it's so goddamn effective. Yes, no, it knows exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's effective, yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Incredible stuff. So there was one sequel made in 1997, An American Werewolf in Paris. It tells the story of an American man named Andy who meets a girl named Seraphine who's the daughter of David Kessler and Alex Price. And they, they get in with a group of French werewolves who are able to transform at will thanks to a serum. The film is a colossal failure. Yeah. Has an IMDb score of 5.1 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 7%. It's the reason this movie, you know, they never pursued further. Yeah. But... Apparently, I, I haven't seen it. I don't plan to, but I've seen some clips. I guess it's all CGI bad werewolves. All the soul and emotion of this movie has been sucked out. And there's been plans to remake American Werewolf in London for years, with the last name set to direct being Max Landis, son of John Landis. However, after allegations of sexual abuse hit Max Landis hard last year, his involvement is likely dead in the water, as is the remake. Let's hope it stays that way. But John Landis was set to produce it, so he's clearly sold his soul. I really don't want them to remake this. It's going to suck, and they're going to do some stupid shit with it. Mm. Don't remake my favorite movies. Yeah, no, leave Stop it. Stop doing that. Please leave it. Goddamn. All right, here's some filmgasm facts for you. Here we go. Number one, we talked about this. All the songs in this film have the word moon in their titles. Fantastic touch. Moon Dance, Bad Moon Rising, three different versions of the song Blue Moon. There's not a lot of Moon songs. They had to kind of work around that. <laughs> Number two, John Landis had to avoid filming any full frontal nudity of David Naughton during the transformation scene and dream sequences 
After not informed, informed Landis that he was not circumcised, even though his role, David Kessler, was written as being Jewish. I feel like that's an easy fix, just to make him not Jewish. Exactly. I don't know why that matters, or why Landis was so insistent on that. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, Michael Jackson was so bowled over by this movie, most especially by the makeup and visual effects, he insisted on hiring the responsible personnel for his music video thriller in 1983. When John Landis agreed to direct the music video, he brought on board his foremost werewolf crew, including Rob Painter, cinematography, Elmer Bernstein, music, Rick Baker, makeup effects, and his wife, Deborah Noodleman, costume design. So that's why the effects in Thriller look so similar to the effects in this, because it's the same team. Yeah, why it's regarded as one of the best music videos of all time. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Number four, the title of the porno flick See You Next Wednesday is a trademark of John Landis' work. First encountered by him as dialogue in 2001 A Space Odyssey, he created a fictional movie and included posters for it as early as 1973, then later in Trading Places and Coming to America, billboards in the Blues Brothers, cinema screenings in the Kentucky Fried Movie, and in the Michael Jackson music video Thriller, as well as dialogue and other kinds of props and set dressing. So he's got an ongoing joke in his own work. See you next Wednesday. <laughs> Number five, and this is in the trivia. It's not really trivia. It's just an interesting thing to point out. David's parents must not love him very much. His friend died from being bitten by a wolf. He almost died and was left alone in a London hospital for a month. His parents should have come to England and gotten him, is particularly if David is supposedly part of this tightly knit family he has a nightmare of. I always thought that was interesting. Nobody ever even called him. <laughs> Nothing. Three weeks. Three weeks, including, like, clearly Jack's funeral has happened. Yeah. So yeah, they yeah. know this happened. Yeah. But nobody, nobody reaches out. Nobody cares. That's so sad. When he does call them, the daughter, like, the daughter's just like, yeah, they're out. What do you want? <laughs> they're out. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> that's that's harsh. I'm put out by that. <laughs> Tell you what. My God. Number six. There's a fan theory in which people think David doesn't actually physically change into a werewolf. Instead, what they're seeing is what he thinks he looks like. This is supported by the fact that when the first werewolf attacks David and was shot dead, no transformation back to a human was shown. In the case of David, no transformation back to human after he's shot dead by the police is seen, and even though Alex witnesses him getting killed, she doesn't display a shocked expression at seeing him revert to human form. It may be assumed that the move is a metaphorical representation of him losing his sanity after witnessing Jack killed. So he might have actually been attacked by a lunatic, convinced himself he's a werewolf, and the transformation sequence is all in his head. Yeah. And he's just a nightmare crazy person brutally murdering people in London. Which would totally change this movie. Yeah. Make it a lot more sad. Very sad, because he can't, can't process this. No, man. Number seven, and this made me laugh so hard. The reason Cat Stevens wouldn't let John Landis have the rights to his song Moonshadow is because he actually believes werewolves exist. Can't be making fun of them. So that's a no from Cat Stevens. Yusuf Islam says, not my song. <laughs> and that's often long as in facts. An American werewolf in London is a horror classic. One of the first horror movies I ever saw. It's my all-time favorite, so it's an easy 10. Yeah, it gets a nine for me. I just can't, you know, can't go over the fact uh, how good the, how good it looked. 
1981. You know, just stellar, stellar stuff. And yeah. how good it still looks. Yeah, it's a yeah. timeless movie. And and Rick Baker's a name that you know I just can't praise enough. You know. Oh yeah, for sure, man. One one of the one of the icons of the '80s for sure. And before we finish up, film guys and contributor Josh Allred would like to share his thoughts on American Werewolf. This is from Josh. Beware the moon, lads. The comedy and horror genres rely heavily on setting up jokes and gags, a term often used to describe special effects sequences, and filming in their process. If either one of those fails, the punchline doesn't land. John Landis made his name with comedies like the Kentucky Fried Movie and the classic Animal House, but this is my favorite film of his hands down. He is firing on all cylinders and showed he can handle the two genres effortlessly. As with most, most classics of the 80s, I saw this at a young age and it made a lasting impression on me. David and Jack's doomed vacation is revealed in the earliest shot in the film in the back of a truck with sheep. They share the sheep's fate and are blissfully unaware their lives are in danger. It's a great touch. The balance of humor and horror John Landis has in this film is phenomenal. It is especially great in David's interactions with Jack after he's killed by the werewolf that turned David. His slow decay from fresh corpse to skeleton is equal parts creepy and hilarious. Lines like, I will not be threatened by a walking meatloaf, and have you tried talking to a corpse? It's boring, are prime examples of this wonderful balance. This is probably my favorite werewolf movie, with the howling being a close second. But what about the Wolfman? It is a classic and a great part of horror history. One could argue that without it, there wouldn't be an American werewolf in London. I feel that this film is superior in many ways because of Landis' ability to make us care about the horrific situation David and Jack get into, but also allowing us to laugh and release some tension. Also, Rick Baker's transformation scene is one of the best pieces of celluloid and a prime example why horror should have a seat at the Oscars, even though I don't care for them. This is definitely going into my Hall of Tens, a shining example of the awesomeness of 80s horror films and the best damn werewolf movie ever, a fucking 10. Well said, Josh. Personally, I really fucking don't like The Howling, but that's for that's for a later time. Yeah, I don't. Neither do I. But yeah, like <laughs> you said, different time. So what do we got for Friday's bonus? Friday's bonus. You know, we'll stick with uh, old boy John Landis. We'll just go uh, go uh, rewind a year prior, and go with 1980s. Uh, the Blues Brothers. The Blues Brothers. Inspired, obviously, by Saturday Night Live. You know, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd, and just a tremendous amount of cast members and cameos in this movie and uh oh hell yeah yeah uh, buckle up for that one it's gonna be a lot of fun fuck yeah man can't wait blues brothers so let's see what happened this week in film yes let's oscar nominated screenwriter buck henry has died at age 89 of a heart attack he was a frequent host on saturday night live in the 70s and has been nominated for best adapted screenplay for 1967's the graduate and Best Director for 1978's Heaven Can Wait. Some of his other scripts include Catch-22, Town and Country, and he co-created the comedy series Get Smart with Mel Brooks. He will be missed. Nicholas Holt has joined the next Mission Impossible movie in an undisclosed role. That movie is getting a hell of a cast, whatever it may be. I wonder what the hell they're going to do to pop, top the stunts. I have no idea. Is Tom Cruise going to the moon? Maybe. Next up, Scott Derrickson has left the director's chair of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, citing creative differences with Marvel Studios. Ah. Word on the street is he wanted the movie to be far scarier than Marvel would allow. Because this is apparently a big tentpole in their ongoing story, so they needed they needed this to be by the book. And Scott Derrickson wanted to make a superhero horror movie, and that wasn't what they wanted, and Marvel doesn't fuck around. Damn. 
So no more Scott Derrickson. Fuck. Yeah. I wonder who they'll get. Uh, it's not someone as good as him. That's true. The Oscar-nominated Korean film Parasite is being adapted to series for HBO by the film's creator, Bong Joon-ho, and Oscar-winning filmmaker Adam McKay. And I don't think this is a good idea in the slightest. This is... I don't... Studios... Can we have one original movie? And just <laughs> fucking leave it for like a year? Holy shit! <laughs> you just saw it too, right? Yes. You know, like, oh my god, dude. Studios don't seem to realize what makes a film successful and to just enjoy the success. They always have to try to branch off of this shit. Just let the film be its own thing. Before it can even win its fucking award at the Oscars for Best International Film, we're now, you know, you're gonna have like an you're gonna have like an Americanized version. Or? This would never work in the states. What's going on? What are we doing? This yeah. is a film that is built on the South, the Korean class system. You can't do that in the states. And I can't believe Bong Joon Ho is on board with this. I thought he had more integrity. Yeah, and, and you know, it's gonna be, you know, it's HBO. It's gonna be a good show. You and I are probably gonna find our way to it. That's not the point. Yes. The point is, we don't need it. We shouldn't do it at exactly. all. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Not exactly. every movie has to be a goddamn TV show. Yeah. Just let it let it live. Well, yeah, like Adam McKay is a has a produced and you know, he's done a lot of work on with HBO on the show Succession. Succession's a really cool show. I liked it a lot. Um really liked this past season last year. But do something do something again, do that again with something new. Can we leave Parasite as is? I just don't want like five years from now, all right? You know, stick with me, y'all. Here we go. So five years from now, if Connor and I are talking, we're like, Parasite. We're like, oh, the movie or the TV show? I don't want want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. Call it something different. Do something different. I don't know. Just don't. I agree. What's the correlation going to exactly be? Like, yeah, like you said, Bong Joon-ho is directly involved. Are are we doing it in New York City? Are we doing it in various places in America? Because, yeah, that movie's about the Korean wealth gap. And about what's going what's going on in that country, and that's part of the reason you know it's so interesting, and has gotten such a huge buzz around the world, and has made so much money in the box office uh, internationally. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just yeah, it's, it's frustrating. Yes, it is it's frustrating. I wish we, I wish we could at least win its award. You give it a, some time to ruminate before we start. Yeah, moving. to breathe. You know, yeah. like I, yeah, it's frustrating. It gets old. That gets old. Yes, it does. <laughs> it really does. Well, uh, well, that's what we yeah. get, though, for, you know, everybody watches everything. So, you know, that's what we get. That's what we get. Is there, you know, supply and demand. They're just going to keep putting shit out because that's what we do. We watch everything, so. <laughs> well. Uh, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a good product. I just, I'm, I, I question a lot of what, what exactly is it going to entail. How is it going to correlate with the movie? That sort of thing, you know? Yeah. I bet it's just a straight up remake for TV. Yeah. yeah. Set in, like, San Francisco or some shit. Yeah, exactly. Next most, up, most likely, yeah. yeah. Next up, Venom and Zombieland director Ruben Fleischer is being eyed to direct Uncharted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be the eighth director to eventually <laughs> leave the project. <laughs> Just the eighth? Yeah. I wonder who's I gonna, wonder who's going to be the next director to join and leave Uncharted. No idea. <laughs> it's a long line. Yeah. Next up, the trailer for Marvel and Sony's Morbius was released, starring Jared Leto as Dr. Michael Morbius scientist turned vampire anti-hero rumor has it the film is connected to the mcu thanks to a cameo in the trailer that i won't spoil but fuck it'll be cool so jared leto's like all right dc 
fuck you guys. I'm going to go get on the side over here that has more money. Yeah, good for him. I don't know. I feel like he's going to fuck this up, too. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but yeah. Connor did for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't like Jared Leto. Neither do I. Not anymore. Yeah. I did for a brief amount of time. I've heard he's younger. a prick. Yeah. And I'm, I, I can't stand his band. I don't dig his performances. I have, he hasn't wowed me yet. He was good in Requiem for a Dream. I was going to say, I like that one. Yeah. But... Everything since has kind of just yeah. been... Yeah, well, that's 20 years ago, yeah. And he's the worst fucking Joker. He's so bad, DC, re- like, regrouped. That's insane. They, like, went to the drawing board, and they're like, we gotta figure out a way to, yeah, <laughs> get rid of this as quick as possible. Who's someone the kids would like? Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Oh, man, he's a cool guy. <laughs> he can act. Fucking uh, hey, man. <laughs> on the plus side, maybe his Morbius will be so bad, it'll cause Sony to rethink their whole yeah, game plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Or a little, it should be the, the resetter for all these, yeah. Yeah. When you want to when you want a clean slate, but you don't want to be responsible for it, hire Jared Leto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eesh. Next up, pop star Billie Eilish will be writing and singing the new Bond theme for No Time to Die. She wasn't my first choice. She wasn't my 15th choice. I, I don't know her music. And this feels like a ploy to get more younger people to watch this movie. Yeah. Like, I heard Adele wanted to do it again. I heard Beyonce being tossed around. Like, legitimate legends. And you go with Billie Eilish. Was Ariana Grande busy? For fuck's sake, come on. This is a... The legacy of the Bond music is important. This is the... This will be the 25th movie. <laughs> Daniel, it, Daniel Craig's last. Yeah, Daniel Craig's last. That's, it sets the tone for the entire movie. And mumble pop is not what I needed. Like, or wanted. She better fucking knock it out of the park. Like, ugh. I do, I, I have listened to a little bit of her music, and I do think it's going to sound, sound very, very cool. Does she have, a vo- like, a good voice? She does. She, does a, she has a great voice. Like, I'll show you something after we record. Um, okay. She has a great voice. What I think is going to be cool about, about the Bond thing is, I think she has a particular sound that's kind of, like, kind of dark and can be kind of heavy at times, even though she's really young. Yeah. That's what I think that's what people um, uh, appreciate about her or, or relate to is that she's she's open about the uh, like the the, um, you know, mental health. All that stuff is like what she talks about in her music. Well, that's cool. But that has I'm nothing with, to do with the Bond franchise. I, I know, I'm with you. I'm with you. But her music sounds very. Um, I, I don't know how to explain. I'm going to show you a couple songs when we're done recording. But I, 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 I have hope. I have hope. I don't think they would just choose her just like, oh, let's just get someone who's cool with the kids. Uh, I think they would. I don't know. I don't know if they would. The studios will do any fucking thing. <laughs> they don't give a shit. I just don't know how much they need to do to get people to go see Bond. You the know, cre- it's Bond. The creative side of this, of every project, the studios have shit on ever since the beginning of Hollywood. Of course, yeah. So I think grabbing somebody... I just think that they, the yeah. fact that they had Chris Cornell recently... Means that they they Recent, don't really care. Recently, though, is fourteen years ago. <laughs> yeah, well, and the and the Daniel Danny Craig, yeah, yeah, like, him and Adele, yeah. Well, it's been Chris Cornell, Jack White, and Alicia Keys, Adele, and Sam Smith. Those are pretty big. Those pretty, are big. Those are pretty big stars. Before that, the Brosden era, it was Tina Turner, yeah, uh, Cheryl Crow, Garbage, and Madonna. So, yeah. Excluding garbage from this list. 
She's got some legends to live up to. And yeah. even before that, you got Tom Jones and yeah, Shirley Bassey I think you'd be and surprised. Duran. I think you'd be surprised if you looked at her numbers uh, and how, how how big she is. Oh, I don't care about that. I care about the quality. Yeah, and, but yeah, but like what you're saying is like excluding garbage. You're saying like all of them are legends, but like I I I, I don't think Sam Smith is like. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't consider Sam I also Smith a legend. I also don't think. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't know. I just. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough waters to go on because then you're comparing um, voices, I guess, and musical musical taste, which I'm not not one to do. I guess. Uh, I, I just think I, I have hope for it because I don't think they would just choose someone. Yeah, I, I don't think they would just make some bullshit choice like, oh, let's just find someone. Like, I don't think they would choose Ariana Grande. <laughs> Not saying Ariana Grande is a bullshit artist. I think Ariana is a way different uh, style of artist than these these Bond artists. I think all of these Bond artists are capable of going to that place and making a song that that represents represents the films. Well, let's hope. I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I wish it was. I wish it was a fucking. Which is the the other names you know, I heard tossed around. I wish it was the Black Keys. You know, I like, wanted Florence and the Machine. Or yeah, or that yeah. or Arctic Monkeys. Or you know, like that'd be great. But yeah, yeah. I. I I'm okay with it. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. This uh, man, that movie. I'm still very excited to see this. That movie, that movie needs needs to be good. It needs to be great. <laughs> it needs to be amazing. Yeah, yeah. lot writing on so it. So far, yeah. I would say Craig is three for three for four. Yeah, I like Spectre. I don't care what anyone says. Quantum. Quantum was a was a was a misfire. Not very good. But you know, Casino and Skyfall both fucking awesome. So this yeah. one, I'm you know judging by his track record, it's probably gonna be pretty good. Yeah. Let's hope. <laughs> always, always hoping. I got burned a lot in 2019. I don't want that happening again. <laughs> and finally, the Oscar nominations were announced on Monday. Oh, boy. Here they are in their entirety. Best Picture, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, and The Irishman. Good match. Good bunch. Best Actor. Adam Driver, Marriage Story, Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, Joaquin Phoenix, Joker, Jonathan Price, The Two Popes, Leonardo DiCaprio, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best Actress, Charlize Theron, Bombshell, Cynthia Erivo, Harriet, Renee Zellweger, Judy, Saoirse Ronan, Little Women, Scarlett Johansson, Marriage Story. Best Supporting Actor, Al Pacino, The Irishman, Anthony Hopkins, The Two Popes, Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Joe Pesci, The Irishman, and Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Best Supporting Actress, Florence Pugh, Little Women, Kathy Bates, Richard Jewell, Laura Dern, Marriage Story, Margot Robbie, Bombshell, Scarlett Johansson, Jojo Rabbit. With this, Scarlett Johansson scored two nominations in one year, a very rare feat, especially for somebody who had no Oscar nominations prior. So, fuck yeah. And I love that throughout the year, you've said, like, her performances in both those movies were so great. And then the Academy gives her fucking nominations yeah. for both of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Best Director, Bong Joon-ho, Parasite, Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, Quentin Tarantino, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Sam Mendes, 1917, Todd Phillips, Joker. Best Original Screenplay, 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. Best Adapted Screenplay, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, <coughs> Little Women, The Irishman, The Two Popes. Best Cinematography, 1917, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman, The Lighthouse. Big surprise. Thought that movie was going to be shut out. Film editing, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, 
Parasite, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit. Production design, 1917, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite, The Irishman. Costume design, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Irishman. Makeup, 1917, Bombshell, Joker, Judy, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Finally, more than three. They've had more. They've had three for the past like twenty years. Yeah. Finally, more than three. Original score: Thomas Newman, nineteen seventeen. Hilder Guanadotier, Joker. Alexander Desplat, Little Women. Randy Newman, Marriage Story. John Williams, Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Original song: Breakthrough. I'm standing with you. Frozen Two: Into the Unknown. Harriet, Stand Up. Rocket Man, I'm Gonna Love Me Again. Toy Story 4, I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away. Sound Mixing, 1917, Ad Astra, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Sound Editing, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Visual Effects, 1917, Avengers Endgame, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, The Irishman, The Lion King. Documentary, American Factory, for Sama, Honeyland, The Cave, The Edge of Democracy. Documentary short, In the Absence, Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if you're a Girl. Life Overtakes Me, St. Louis Superman, Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. Animated film, How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, I Lost My Body, Klaus, Missing Link, Toy Story 4. Animated short film, Daughter, Hair Love, Kit Bull, Memorable, Sister. Live action short, Brotherhood, Nefta Football Club, Saria, The Neighbor's Window, Unesor. International film, Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Miserables, Pain and Glory, Parasite. The honorary awards will be going to David Lynch, Lina Wertmuller, West Studi, and the Gene Herschelt Humanitarian Award will be going to Gina Davis. And that is the Oscars, as we will see on February 8th. Hell of a year, man. Indeed. A lot of, not a lot of surprises, uh, pretty much what we expected, but, you, you know, I didn't think Ford v. Ferrari was going to score Best Picture nomination. Neither did I, but, you know, there's like nine spots, so. Uh. It is, I hate that they have to fill, you know, slots now. But, just means, you know, more, more accolades. Yeah, more nominations, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, uh, like you said, not that surprising. And we'll, it still feels like it could be anybody's game. Yes, that's the main thing, is it's still a big race, even though if we're a little disappointed about, you know, the farewell or uncut jams getting completely shut out. It's okay because there's still a good heap of good movies. I think the worst movie of the, which is not to say that's a bad movie, of that group. Neither of you, neither of I, uh, neither of us have seen Little Women yet. Uh, that's going to change very soon. But um, of that group would be Joker. You know, more thinking about it, I think probably The Irishman, honestly. Or the Irishman, those two, yeah. yeah, those two are the weakest to me. That group, and that that's a that's a very good sign. Very strong group. Last of year there was Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody, which I didn't wasn't too fond of either of them, and this year I I feel stronger about the Irishman than both of those. So <laughs> uh, that's a good sign. That's great. It is nice. It's going to be a fun race. Thanks for listening to us rant about one of my favorite horror movies. On Sunday we're releasing a very special bonus episode, our own take on award season the first annual Filmgasm Awards. We'll have nominees and winners of various categories, and we've chosen the films and performances that we think deserve the most attention this year. Yes. We recorded this the day before the nominations were announced. There was no bias. Check it out Oh, Sunday. you'll be able to tell. Yeah. I think we bring that up. 
<laughs> so check it out Sunday. Well, you'll be able to tell by our winners. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of them We have a lot of films <laughs> that didn't get touched by the Oscars. <laughs> and uh, it's a fun show. Yeah, yeah. We had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be doing that every year. Yeah, oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, now I've, now we have to see more. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So next year we can have a broader... Next year, like, we should have seen with Little Women. Now next year we won't. That won't happen. You we know? won't make that mistake again. Exactly. We will see everything. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's just... That's life, you know? We're both uh, 20-something-year-old dudes who are just trying to make it, you know? Yes, hell yeah. <laughs> so we see what we can. We saw a lot, yeah. <laughs> next week we're going back to Stephen King with the 1979 miniseries Salem's Lot. Oh, yes. King's timeless story about a small main town that is plagued by vampires. Don't miss it. Until then, if you go backpacking in Yorkshire, stay on the road, keep clear of the moors, and for God's sake, beware the moon.